Hello, everybody. Um, Azran here, as usual. This is our multilingual podcast with friends, with an additional friend today, Paula. Paula, you guys met. If you understand Spanish, uh, you would have heard our Spanish, our very long Spanish podcast episode, a very long one. Wasn't the plan, but that's why she's here. Because I thought, oh, we do very <laughs> long podcasts with Colton and, and Catherine. You should come join us. <laughs> um, <clears throat> today will be a shorter podcast, though, because I have to, I have to go in uh, 52 minutes because I have a, I teach a class and I teach, well, I teach a couple classes. So, um, so yeah, we have, a, we actually have a topic today, which is interesting because we don't always have a topic. We usually just talk and see where things go. But our topic today is our favorite resources for learning and or teaching, uh, languages. So why don't we start with Catherine? Because I know Paula's curious about this too, particularly for Spanish. So Catherine, walk us through the 10,000 textbooks you own. Uh, well, I'm a big fan of like, uh, whoever was listening to this podcast, I hope there's like people, they would know that I am um, a By big way, fan of system. There are people who listen. It's not just on YouTube, like no one watches, which is fine. <laughs> on YouTube, people watch my shorts. They don't watch my, they don't watch the long mm -hmm. form stuff. My long form, like no one watches on YouTube, but on the actual like, like podcast, people... Every episode gets like hundreds of listens. Wow. So oh, you wow. guys are quadruple Z-list celebrities. Wow. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I quite, can't imagine. I will. So uh, so basically, since I love the system so much, what I also love doing is to use a textbook in roughly all of my lessons, but not of all of the students are aware of that. Because sometimes I just use a textbook as a base. Like, okay, hold on. I'm going to exemplify. And hold on a second. I'll just really quickly open just a random one to show what I mean by that. Like, for example, I teach Spanish. And I'm British. Like, I have already, like, a long-form uh, program that I use with pretty much almost everybody. Uh, but I just adapted towards the style of the person's learning, the needs and everything like that. So basically, I take a generic textbook, some, something like that. This one is called Nos Vemos. And it's a um, textbook by a Spanish uh, editorial. But what is more importantly, what I use is the structure of the topics and more or less the resources that we're supposed to be learning. and then. I try and make sure that I cover the topics pretty much one by one. And I can use, for example, if it's a child, instead of using this, well, the child, I don't teach children much, but like if it's a teenager more so, I'll be using the topics, but then I'll be using this website, which is uh, Profedele. I'm sure everybody has heard of that. It's pretty, pretty, pretty common. And for example, today we're going to be doing unit three, which is La Familia. And I would go for the vocabulary here, La Familia. And for those that are like... just, just listening and can't see what's going on, she's basically, Catherine basically got a screen share going and showing a oh. website, which is Profe de L E, Profe de L E, like P R O F E D E E L E. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of showing some different activities and a book that she uses. 
Ah, uh, yeah. So, so the book that I'm using is basically a textbook that presents different, um, a structure of the textbook that has such sections as, uh, like, situational, like what kind of situation are we covering this unit? What kind of vocabulary are we covering this unit? What kind of grammar? And what call, uh, kind of cultural aspect? So that's what I was shown in the screen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just um, only recently a celebrity. So <laughs> I didn't know about that. Uh, okay. So, and the um, and the resource that I'm showing, the Prof. Daily one, has interactive content. And it has the same vocabulary, pretty much, but with games. So, for for example, teenagers, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more fun. It's not that boring as just a textbook. Or, for example, uh, I could, for adults, I usually set it as homework. So, if they have a moment in their busy routine, they can still revise it, and things of the kind. Uh, additionally, I have a plethora of grammar books divided by levels. So, for example, in this case, we're teaching A2, uh, a grammar and vocabulary, vocabulary books specifically. So I have sets of textbook, textbooks that cover different topics and have worksheets. So usually I would use them as homework as well, because I know that many people don't really like um, grammar drills and things of a kind. And... Whilst I think they're not necessary, uh, necessarily like the best and the most, uh, the quickest option to learn a language, but they are a very good way to memorize the other uh, things and just to keep, uh, and just to sometimes to do something when you're tired, for example, because they have a very structural thing. I don't know if that works for everybody, but for me, when I come from work, for example, I'm super tired, but I still want to practice my language, something that has a clear structure and that has exercises that you just need to do Y A B C D D like etc. Then it's a little bit easier to do for, for example, daily practice of your language, which is very important. So, I don't know. As an example, uh, let's do. Hold on. For example, I have all levels of this set of books, and this book is called. Okay, for the listeners, <laughs> go to. It's called uh, Español Lengua Extranjera Vocabulario Elemental. That's the level, and the uh, edición, what well, the editorial is Anaya, but any of a similar format would do. To be honest, it doesn't have to be this one in particular. But what I mean is, it has a bunch of topics. It has the same structure every to in every unit. It's a great resource for homework. So you have the presentation of vocabulary, you have tech context, you have a thousand million exercises. Same for grammar. Sorry, these are the answers. Uh, same for grammar. So you have like different grammatical topics. You have um, uh, well, you have also the presentation of the topic, the context, and some exercises about the form and the use. And I have these books in all the levels, basically starting from elemental, well, starting from A1 to C2. And this is something I can use for homework. Yet again, it depends a lot on who is in front of you. This works really well for people who want structure, for people who want 
uh, a lot of um, who want to feel their progress in as well, because it's pretty, it's a little bit more satisfying to like be able to recognize and uh, use these uh, items in order. And you can also track your pro progress a little bit more easy, like a little bit easier, Jesus, a little bit easier with this sort of textbooks. But yet again, it's probably not for everyone in a sense that this is something that I personally value in um, in a course, which is the uh, system, the progress and stuff like is as in progress, measurable progress, so to speak. So that's why I prefer to use textbooks. Yes, again, it's a little bit on a boring side because for fun, I would quite recommend uh, websites like, well, Profedele or for example, for English, I tend to have a lot of conversational classes and I really like uh, the website called ESL Brains. I don't know if you guys heard of it, probably you did. It's quite common as well. And it has uh, a lot of topics divided by, um, well, by level or topic or how much time do you have, uh, whether you have, um, whether you want to watch a video or not. And it also has a, a paid version that allows you to do, um, for example, um, allows you to have the plans uh, tailored for the online classroom. The, these are very convenient. So for example, anytime I, I have a like last minute class or something like that, I can always uh, pull up one of the topics that I like that I know that the student may enjoy and we can just have a speaking class with maybe something to discuss or I can give like readings from it for, for homework as well. And it usually is a little bit more on a fun side. But yet again, uh, I can also use a generic textbook to um, more or less to organize the topics too. And for example, instead of using the textbook itself to use, um, well, use the different activities from from this website as like a more fun one and uh, yeah as far as the English textbooks go um, I am a big fan of um, the format like for example for business English funny enough um, I really like the this book that is specified for preparing to TOEIC exam it's called, hold on, let me just find it because I, I do have a thousand textbooks. That's why it's <laughs> like rummage through my poorly organized. Um, I was nearly to say carpet uh, folder was them. But this one is called, for example, uh, grammar and vocabulary for the TOEIC test. But this format, appears in pretty much any grammar and vocabulary for, for as you know, uh, Cambridge range of exams, grammar and vocabulary for uh, whatever, uh, for, I don't know, for IELTS, grammar and vocabulary for whatever. And what I like about them is not because it allows you to pre prepare for this particular exam, but because it has, for TOEIC in particular, it has a lot of topics that are real life related and business related. 
So it's like, for example, applying for a job, business documents, air travel, shopping, business trips, customer service. And it also teaches the grammar point, but it teaches it in relation to this vocabulary point. And I find it really easy to follow. And usually some of my, well, most of my students like it because what I do with it, instead of going through the textbook yet again, we can read the little text that presents the vocabulary. Then I will ask them questions about every word, for example. And I mean, for example, I don't know, employers, or who was your worst employer? And then that's a conversation started, obviously. <laughs> well, no. Um, in class, we will just talk about this different, like the different items on the list. And for homework, I'll just yet again, give them some drills to practice at home. That's one of the options that offer format that can also be. You know what I'll actually do? I'll get, I just, re I got a good idea. I should put, um, I'll, I'll put like a link or names of all the books and all the resources we mentioned in the, in the, in description. the description box. Yeah, hmm. totally. But yet again, for example, the format of grammar and vocabulary exists for a lot of, like, it's as easy as Googling grammar and vocabulary for, and then you have like a million resources of the similar format that mm. maybe, because for example, if your student is an academic, maybe it's uh, better to then search for, I don't know, grammar vocabulary for Cambridge Advanced, right. because the topics are going to be related to academia. Right. TOEIC just so happens to be work related. And most of the people who want to like work in a company that covers their needs more or less, mm. as far as I'm aware. What and kind I... of resources uh, do you use, Paula? Mm. Sure. I don't have like everything to share. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, for Spanish, as I've been like recently uh, teaching it, um, I have been discovering like web pages and those kind of stuff. Uh, however, for me, the book section section is like more difficult because um I, i've been looking for you know textbooks and everything and as uh catherine uh mm -hmm. i just like to uh, to base my structure on the i don't know content or syllables uh part uh because i know that using a textbook can be kind of boring sometimes for some people um but for Spanish, it's been difficult for me. <laughs> uh, most of them, you have to pay for them, or like the the ones that I have seen people recommend uh, are just for, um, you know, you have to pay, I don't know, like the digital or the physical version. So it's kind of difficult for me to find uh, some Spanish resources. Uh, but for example, I uh, for beginners, I... I have used something, what? a, a oh, book. Sorry. Go ahead. I'll let you finish first. I had a question, but I'll let you finish. <laughs> sorry. Um, so for beginners, I started to use some, uh, a book that I was I used when I was a kid uh, to learn how to write and read in Spanish. And I really like it because sometimes, uh, I don't know, I have worked for a company that has material, but I don't really like <laughs> the material that they provide. Um, so... 
recently I've been trying to use the, that book because it has like everything in order. Like it doesn't introduce a new letter index samples and the student doesn't know how to read that letter. So like for uh, other materials, but for this book as, as it is uh, for native speakers to learn how to write it, they don't want to introduce examples that they haven't seen. So I really like this book and and it's kind of cute to teach <laughs> some adults with this kind of uh, books because like it's for children at the end of the day, right? But it's really helpful. Like at least to learn how to read Spanish is really helpful. And that's the one that I, I like the most <laughs> so far, yeah. Excuse me. No, no worries. What, uh, what do you use? So Catherine and Colton also don't know this, um, but Paula teaches, uh, she teaches a lot of people, a lot of kids, I'm assuming mostly kids, but are they kids? Yeah, a lot of kids that live in, um, in Asia online for like another platform. And so on that platform, do you make your own resources? Do you use their, their resources? Do you, what do you do for that? Sure, I have, like, I have a combination of both. Uh, so if I see that the material, because sometimes the material that they provide like today, I didn't uh, check the material before the class. So uh, I saw that it, it was something related to the imperative form in Spanish. And I, it was kind of like, uh, the kid doesn't really matter, right? The kid doesn't matter. He doesn't matter if it is wrong or correct. Like at the end of the day, the teacher is the one that is gonna like correct everything, right? But uh, I guess if it was an adult, I would would have been embarrassed of using that material because, for example, it had like uh, a verb with uh, that ends with, for example, comer, right? And all the examples of the imperative form were hablar. I don't know if you understand. Oh, like, I see. So it's like comer, <laughs> and then underneath there are like all these hablar. Tu habla, yes. Like, usted habla. So it was like, oh my God, that shouldn't happen. And in some of the trial classes materials have uh, German in the Spanish section. So, <laughs> so sometimes when I check the material before teaching the class, uh, I see like, oh, no, this is not a good material to teach this class right now. So I try to uh, create material, uh, obviously based on the age too, because for kids, like it's better to have more image, more, uh, you know, things that are visual to them. Uh, and for adults, kind of like, uh, it, depends. <laughs> it really depends on the, the person, but uh, when I see that the material is really like, oh, no, I can't use this. Um, I create my own, but I don't do that often because uh, creating material takes time and they don't, it's not like everything is money, 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 but I know that uh, they're not like gone, like they don't even see the classes. So they're not gonna recognize or notice that I'm doing that for the student because I care for the students, I do it, but not like most of the time is like, oh, I'm not gonna be paid for it. 
and it's kind of uh, I feel sad for the students because uh, sometimes like the material is really bad. So yeah, yeah I I've been using both. Like when I see that it, the material is really really bad, uh, I try to make my own and teach with like the whole class with my own material. Yeah, it's hard when, uh, like, I teach, I actually, at the beginning of this, or actually, rather, late last year, um, I had a conversation with every single one of my students, um, and a lot about, about their classes, and for a lot of the students, what I ended up saying was, like, listen, I feel, because I taught so many, I taught, I taught a lot more classes late last year than I do currently, for example, like, I think I was, anyway, so last, last year, I had a conversation with one of my students saying like, listen, you're paying for classes and I actually feel bad because I don't have the time in my schedule to prepare what I would like to actually prepare for your class. So here's what I, every time we have class, I'm thinking while I'm teaching you, I would much rather if we had a resource that looked like this or a class structure that looked like this. But I'm doing this type of class structure because I don't have the time to prepare this this other class structure the most extreme example of that is for Gujarati that's an Indian language I teach because there are very few resources so I have to often make things for them I often have to but like I don't have time to I don't always have time to make what I would like to actually be able to make so a good example is the one adult student I teach and um, <clears throat> I have a one page I guess a conjugation summary so it has all the conjugation rules on one most of the conjugation rules on one page. So when I'm teaching him the conjugations, because he he's super into grammar, like he will go head first and he loves it. And I was like, all right, I guess, I guess this is what we're doing. And he speaks Gujarati already quite well, actually, but he doesn't know the grammar behind it because he grew up with it. So anyway, so we're going through the sheet. And in my mind, I was thinking like, what I'm doing, I'm sharing my screen and zooming in on different boxes on the sheet. And as I'm doing it, I'm like, oh my God, I would much rather have separate slides that break down these things that I'm zooming in and zooming out on constantly. Like if I had separate slides, it'd be way better. But I've never had someone that wants to go through grammar the way he's doing it. So I don't have the, I don't have material prepared to be able to do that. So he has to get me zooming in and zooming out on all this material, which is, it's fine, I suppose, in the sense that it still gets the content across, but it could be presented in a much nicer, easier to consume way, in a more organized way. But it's, it's like the same, it's, it's the same conundrum with the money. It's like, well, it would take me, um, the amount of time it would take me to prepare that kind of a resource the problem is that I, I teach all these other classes. I, I have to, I'm hiring people. I make con like it's, it's, and I feel really guilty. I feel a little bit guilty about it because it's like, well, this person's taking classes and they're paying me to teach them. And I'm not making in my head what I would like to be able to make, but I got over by just telling them, I was like, Hey, are you cool with this? <laughs> like, Hey, this is a scenario. And yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Colton? Because Colton, you have to make all your own resources. You don't really have a choice because there are very few resources. You are the only person, I think, who's made a course. I, I tell people that, like, hey, I know, I'll tell you, like, I've got the only, like, my uh, Colton has made the only online Blackfoot course. 
and it's on my website. It's on my YouTube. You can go watch it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, for me, I am the resource. So kind of depends on what we're um what we're doing. If yeah, it kind of depends on the class. Typically for beginner classes, that's when I use the most resources. Um and it just depends on what level they are, what what's up with them essentially, if they like uh exciting things like pictures or if they like, you know, kind of bite-sized pieces of information, or if they're more of the boring type that can sit through my lectures. So kind of um really depends on the students what I your lectures are not boring because you're so you're hilarious and you don't it's just you're so funny yeah so I could, um, well I could listen to talk for hours yeah so I kind of rely on my on my quick wit instead of resource <laughs> actually you know what's funny Colton I can relate a lot to that because I was I was trying to yeah. think when Catherine's answering and like I was like I'm trying to think of how to organize like how to answer like Mm -hmm. that's exact i do this like in my classes like off if you, you give me a whiteboard that's all i need all i need is a whiteboard yeah, all i, I need is you entertained you can be three or like 83 and mm -hmm. if you give me a whiteboard i can do anything like i'll i'll act i'll act out i'll tell you jokes i'll, I'll oh yeah like i don't need i need i mean i do use other resources but sometimes like i'm teaching a class later today and like i realized yesterday i was like oh i didn't actually prepare a slide it's a one it's like a I've never actually taught a class on this topic. It's like a three-week course on nasal vowels in French. I guess mm. I have done it once, actually. It's true, I have done that before, actually. But it was a long time ago. Anyway, and I, yesterday I was like, oh, yeah, I got that class starting tomorrow. I forgot. I was like, oh, why? Well, basically, it's a whiteboard. <laughs> I can probably really need for that class. It's pretty straightforward. Um, anyway, continue. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's the same with me, just me a whiteboard and a marker and you're gonna learn um but what else do i do i'd say typically the resources that i use are the ones that i make and most of the time i make resources for specific grammar points or just um specific conjugations or just essentially just how to talk for instance one presentation might be about um animacy of verbs which is like um gendered nouns in spanish or italian or french or whatnot we have animacy in blackfoot and so i might have a um slideshow kind of going over that and going over the different uses and the different um kind of applications and a little bit of why it does that but also my presentations are typically just as much as for me as they are for the students, because it's an easy way for me to kind of um, organize what I'm talking about. And then a lot of the, what I say isn't embedded into the presentations. And so these presentations are kind of mine in two senses, in the sense that I made them, but in the sense that only I know what to say at what point. Otherwise, you know, you could have another Blackfoot teacher, you know, take them, or you could have a student take them, but most of the knowledge is kind of saved up here. And then I just, for instance, so, oh, we're talking about animacy. Maybe, okay, this is the point where I discuss the differences and then why it's like that and kind of the philosophical reason behind that and how that got into the language. But I don't have it typed out. I just kind of remember, oh, this is, this is my cue essentially um 
And then typically the only resources that I use that are not my own are for listening practice, um, simply just because, I mean, I can tell them stories, but it kind of gets boring because I just, I, I mean, I can tell stories, but I find that other people's stories are much more interesting than the ones that I come up with. Um, I don't know if you can relate, but has anybody ever like, like when your purpose is to like think of a story, it's very hard to like come up with a plot and then whatnot, or just to figure out what you're talking about. And so I'll typically find videos either on YouTube or on the Blackfoot Dictionary um, of the elders talking. And then it could be about anything, a Nopi story, a, one of their personal stories or really stories about um anything and then I'll have the student listen to that typically this is only when they're a little bit more advanced and then see how much they can grasp from it and then from that um I can I typically go from there for a while I'll try to understand how much they understand and what they're not getting or what they're not and then work from there for instance if they're not understanding the grammar of it then that tells me oh you need to work a little bit more on the grammar or if they're know a lot of the time too they know the words that are being said because we've gone over them a lot but um in spoken blackfoot they just don't really hear it if that makes sense they don't really catch the words as they're being spoken even though they know them and so in situations like that, then I'd, you know, stop and then kind of um, start going with pronunciation and then working on different, because in Blackfoot, um, there's more, there's often more than one way to pronounce things. And they're not really, and what makes it difficult is neither one is essentially more correct. They're both kind of valid ways of saying it. And, but different speakers can have different ways and they're all ways that the word can be said but not everybody says it like and so i have to work with the different phonemes and different whatnot and so yeah that's another main one um but i'd say one of my biggest resources that i use is the blackfoot dictionary it's very um useful in many different ways um for instance a lot of the grammar that I'll teach my students, I'll pull up examples from the dictionary because they, the dictionary is great because it'll often have a really long, complicated sentence with various layers and various grammar attached to it. And so by kind of going through them and then taking them through that rabbit hole, we can learn a lot about grammar and learn a lot about whatnot and then just branch out from there. So a lot of my resources is, are just ways to start and then branch out yeah you remember i was teaching a class i'll do the same thing because uh it's so like yesterday i was teaching a, a begin a very beginner french class and it was the first group class with this mm -hmm. with these people and uh in group classes i often find that people who join the class their levels are roughly the same but they're not exactly the same like they're close but sometimes someone's a little bit higher this one everyone was basically day one French I had like no background I was like wow that's not what I expected 
So I changed my plan a little bit on the fly. And uh, there's this resource, there's a, it's a, re, it's a learning resource called Link. It's an app for listening mm -hmm. and reading comprehension. And they have this French, uh, it's a course, I guess, which takes you through some basic French words and phrases and has simple, like super basic. And so actually I can just show it to you. I think I still have it open from yesterday on my computer. Yeah, I do actually, right here. So looks like this. So it's like, bonjour, bonsoir, bon après-midi, bonne nuit, au revoir, bonjour. And then there's a dialogue. Bonjour, comment allez-vous? Je vais merci, blah, 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 right, whatever. A little like super, super simple dialogue. And I was like, um, so I took, so I, what I did is like, okay, like, I was like, let me, let me walk you through a couple of basic words first. I just take them through these four. And like, let's also now, let's look at a couple of, and I just told them, I basically decided on the fly. This is not what I decided, my, my plan was for the class. Like, oh, but let's just do this. This actually makes way more sense because you, you're all be, like super beginner French. And I noticed that all of them had difficulty with pronunciation. Like just the way, just the way they all said bonjour made me think, oh, you all struggled pronunciation. So I told them, okay, so here's under your class structure every week and i just literally made it up on the flies like yeah every week we're going to spend a little bit of time on pronunciation and learn some of the sounds and that'll be the start of our classes for 10 or 15 minutes every week we'll learn one or two different sounds we'll practice that well so and i was like in the first sound we'll learn and literally I, this is not what i planned to do and i was like, I was like this makes sense first thing we'll do is we're gonna do ons look at all these ons that show up and almost all these um all these uh greetings right and we also had O, N, and E's. So it's kind of cool. They go together really nicely. But I didn't plan it. And there's nothing in this resource that ties that together. But in my mind, I was like, oh, that just makes sense. Look, O, N, O, N, O, N, O, N, N, E. That's a really nice, like, you can wrap that as a bundle. And it makes sense to teach that together. Hmm. Right? And then, like, using Colton saying, like, me being the resource, people are like, how do I, they couldn't pronounce the O, N. And... I don't know, like I have, a, I have a million explanations for, I have a million explanations for different concepts. And the thing is, I don't always know where they come from. So sometimes yeah. I got a couple that I like use all the time. But yesterday I was like, all right, imagine taking like a mandarin orange and like shoving it down your throat. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, it's like in your throat. So you got to like, imagine like your tongue kind of going back with that orange. And then you go like, and then you, you're kind of like, oh, and your mouth is closed and you go, oh. And they're like, oh, okay. And like, but I don't know where that comes from. Mm. Right. Oh, yeah, very good. That's talk. really curious because I don't know how you guys come up with that on the spot. I, th I find this uh, capacity fascinating because, um, for example, for me teaching pronunci pronunciation from the example from the real life, oh. it takes me a lot of time to think of a real life example. And these are the classes that I need to prepare. For example, do you remember us when you used to teach a person? specifically pronunciation course. These are the classes I prepared for the most, I think, because hmm. it was so out of my comfort zone. So I researched these silly examples before. Like I, <laughs> hmm. I would ask for help for those because it's fascinating how people who can just like come up with the Mandarin thing. For example, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to me. I've never... Well, I think the <laughs> thing is like, it doesn't actually matter. Here's the weird thing I've been thinking about. It doesn't actually matter. This is for... Uh... I've been thinking about this recently. Um, I've never actually said this out loud. I've just been thinking about it. Where uh, 
it doesn't actually matter. So for learning pronunciation, grammar rules, memorizing vocabulary, any anything in any language, anything you remember, it actually doesn't matter what what you say. It almost doesn't matter what you say to help someone remember it. So I'll give you like a really stupid example. Um, I'll share my screen. This is my favorite one. I just came up with it again. This, this, I came up with this on the spot one day. Um, and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I like this. So, all right, let's have some fun. I'm going to have so much fun with this. I don't know if you guys will. So we have these letters in Gujarati, okay? And they look, uh, hang on. So there's like this. Oops. Why isn't it working? There we go. And there's this one, right? So they both kind of look like a three, but, but you know, one's got like that tail going. So for those that are listening, it's like these three, these two, these two vowel sounds in Gujarati. One of them looks like a kind of like a backwards three. The other one looks like a regular three, but with a really long line that wraps up. And uh, for me, like this one is pronounced E. And this one is pronounced U. Kind of like the Spanish E and Spanish U, exactly the same pronunciation. And uh, people often will mix up like which one is which, like which one is U and which one's E, because they look kind of, they're just backwards of each other, right? So I'll be like, oh, it's so easy to remember. Like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it's not hard at all. Like, E is like, you know, like, what does a snake say? So what does a snake say? Hiss. Yeah, but if a snake didn't say S, wouldn't it say E, 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 E? Wouldn't this sure. be like the snakes? Like, wouldn't the snake be like this? Like, this is like the snake that, like, my hand is a snake. Like, this mm. little tail is a snake. Wouldn't it go like E? And if you go like, some people look at me and they're like, what are you talking about? I'll be like, okay, like, if a snake did like S and like bit you, wouldn't you go like E? And they're like, no, I'd go, ow. But the thing is, by the time I've told that ridiculous story, every time they see that letter, they don't remember, I'm like, it's like the snake. And they go, oh, E. <laughs> Or like the ooh, I'll be like, it's like imagine like that's you and you're like stretching back. When you stretch your back and you do and you bend like this and you make that shape with your body, you go ooh. That's what you say. You say ooh, and you stretch your back out, and you go ooh, and that sounds like ooh. So it's it like I don't know. That makes no sense. There's no what. Actually, it, it is yeah. going to be more mem memorable. I like to, well, with adults, obviously, I like to, for grammar, but not for pronunciation, for grammar, like, just, just like, invent, not necessarily offen offensive, but kind of, like, ridiculous examples. And depending on what the person is, like, comfortable with, not necessarily swearing, but kind of, like, on the, the edgy comedy, something like that, because mm -hmm. they will remember that. Anytime yeah. there is something that is related to, like, for example, if... Uh, if I need them to remember, I don't know, <clears throat> for example, the word, I don't know which one, but they, there is a possibility of them making a mistake and this mistake being dramatically bad. I don't know, like, for example, if you accidentally, well, hopefully you're not going to be <laughs> inappropriate, but if you accidentally say, instead of saying chicken in Spanish, you'll say the fem yeah. feminine thing. Like that that's going to be a little bit of a disaster in in a social situation. So anytime I have like those kind of examples, they will remember this one they will remember. That's gonna stick to their mind and everything like that. And I don't know. I think it proves the 
I guess the capacity of creativity that uh, teachers have to have to in order to come up with those things. And I, I guess like everybody has their own forte, but it's definitely the more the more silly you make it or the more unexpected, I think it's the easiest is to remember. Yeah, I was actually uh, so something I, I made a podcast or maybe a blog post, one of the two about that, about about this, something, something similar about two or three months ago, maybe. Um, and it's about uh, why you'll remember. Okay, so there's two things that go together. So let's break this up. So first is, why are some grammar rules hard to understand? And then why are some words hard or easy to remember? So, and, they, and they kind of go together. So the grammar, um, some grammar rules are hard to understand because one grammar point equals thousands of words. That's all it really is. One grammar point is just a, a significant number of words and phrases. They have to, that's been bucketed into a grammar rule. So by learning, by memorizing and actually using one grammar rule, what you're really doing is you're memorizing the ability, you actually have the ability to use thousands of phrases and words is what you're really doing. Because like, hablo, como, tomo, camino, whatever, all those o's, like, it's a pattern that has been categorized in a grammar rule. And some of those categorizations are really easy. And so it's easy to like, just do it. Like, one pen, two pens. It's just kind of straightforward. But other than others are quite, it's hard. It's, it's been categorized, but it's still hard to remember all that. So that's number one. But then the related point is why are some words and phrases easy to remember and, or harder to remember? Because if grammar is nothing more than words and phrases, you can break up a complex grammar point into just memorizing individual words and phrases. And eventually, you'll actually remember the grammar point. So complex grammar points are often easier to remember by just going through different, by just breaking it down into phrases, words and phrases. And over time, the grammar point makes sense. Um, but anyway, but so that means that, okay, so why are, so if you're, if you're going to take a vocabulary approach to learning, gra uh, to learning grammar, well, how is it that sometimes you learn a word and it just makes sense? And sometimes you learn a word and you keep forgetting it. And there's many answers to that. It could be very similar to English. It might just, so it's like, oh, it's easy to remember because computadora, for example, is easy because, well, it sounds like computer. That's not hard, right? But then I got thinking more like, well, why is it that some words like a swear word, you always remember the swear word. Why? Well, like when I was in, I taught this group, this, this, I used to teach in a school and the kids in the Spanish class, the only things the kids actually, I know for a fact, remembered by the time we were done, the two things was soy chicken nugget, soy chicken. No, they said chicky nugget, not chicken nugget. Because this girl learned soy and then thought it's funny to say I'm a chicken nugget and then it made a dance with it and everyone thought it's hilarious. And they remember to say hola banco because one time they learned the word for bank and they thought it's funny to call me uh, banco, like I'm a bank, hey bank. <laughs> and they just thought it's really funny. So all the, uh, the only things I know for a fact, they definitely remember probably for years to come is soy chicken nugget, except they would say chicky nuggy. But anyway, or and hola banco. And I was like, okay, hang on. And I realized that. So, so I was like, swear words, soy chicken nugget, um, hola banco, like, you know, what you said, like around uh, pollo, for example, and the feminine, like what's, what's, you know, when people, if you embarrass yourself in a language, you'll always remember that mistake you made when you embarrassed yourself. You'll always, you'll never forget that. I was like, there's something going on here. And what I realized was, that the way you remember words and phrases, I think it comes down to two things. One is frequency. 
how often have you heard it, read it, use it, writ written with it, just used it. But also it's what emotions were triggered each time you had the frequency. So a word like, like a swear word inherently has a lot of emotions and memories. And when you're a child, like from childhood, you're not allowed to use those words as a child. Then, you, then you're older and you can kind of use them and then you overuse them and then it's a bad word and it's a dirty, like there's so much encapsulated in that one word. So when you learn it, it's just, you're not going to forget it, right? Or if you embarrass yourself, shame is a very powerful emotion. So if you embarrass yourself, whatever you, whatever was wrapped around that, you're not going to forget it the same way you don't forget trauma, right? If you, so when, when there's emotions triggered, when you learn things, on, the, on that note, vocabulary and grammar points too. Like when when the emotions are triggered, it's it just sticks. But if they're not triggered, it doesn't stick. Yeah, I I was just wanted to jump in about like trauma and stuff like that. That's why I often I I just one uh, one time I noticed that I use uh not necessarily black humor, but kind of like not necessarily it's going to sound horrible out of the context, but like maybe murder, criminal, death-related um, mm. examples a lot with grammar, especially with the male students. And because uh, I mean, it's hilarious. No? And, and Bill had a gun. And then uh, before, like, I don't know, he haven't had a, a gun. He, I don't know, he had murder. Somewhere. I don't know, S stuff like that. But I think that's the same sort of attachment because the topics that are usually taboo well because well in many cultures like crime i don't know death stuff like that is a bit more of a difficult topic to talk about but if you make it into almost like cartoonish situation the grammar point does stick like for example i don't know because it's just so weird to and it's the opposite of frequency because hopefully in real life this person will never have to hear this again and like never have this situation hopefully that's the <laughs> that's the premise but since it's cartoonish and since it's related to something that is like necessarily emotionally triggering i definitely will stick better and there is even an um explanation to that funny enough of uh, through the perspective of like uh, cognitive science and like cognitive linguistics and stuff like that because I think we spoke about it last time I don't remember at this point but the um, the breaking of the pattern and the breaking of the expectations usually triggers an intense emotional reaction and this is something that our uh, consciousness it's it's one of the five laws of consciousness and this is something that our consciousness is really attached to, attracted to. So that's why it's used in humor and art and in teaching by proxy as well. Well, I, I have to go. Well, I, we should stop recording like a minute or two, but anyone have any final thoughts they want to share? 30, 30. <laughs> <laughs> Paola, this normally goes on for hours. You'd yeah, have to the join the short one. We normally, <laughs> this happens for like, what's our longest one? Three, like, I, I, three hours I was, maybe. Yeah, probably three, but yeah. You guys got me when I wasn't, I had less, I was kind of like half on vacation, so I had more time. Now I have like only meetings and classes and stuff, so it's harder, but that's okay. But maybe it's even more interesting because this way we had a topic and stuff like that. So, but I'm sure that if we would have allowed ourselves to speak, we it would have lasted. I, I could have shown you books for four hours easy so <laughs> good. 
a good thing at least there's a limited time when so paula and i did a spanish podcast because for this well you you guys inspired the whole spanish thing we did our spanish podcast <laughs> and i don't know what with with paula and then we spoke for whatever two hours and i was like hey we probably should stop in like two hours and we stopped it and we talked for like <laughs> 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 And I was like, I actually really have to go because I actually have something starting in like an hour. And I like, I hadn't showered that day. I just like did my hair and stuff. So I don't look, so I look presentable. And I was like, I actually gotta like shower and get ready. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop the recording. Everyone, thank you for watching and listening to this very short episode. Let me stop. (laughs)